the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So many people today are rejecting invitations from the White House for a visit. Question is, are you rejecting an invitation from the one who created you? Let's talk about that next. No matter who the president is, it's pretty amazing to get an invitation to visit him at the White House. It's a high honor. Well, there's even a higher honor, and that is the God of this universe, the one who has created you and I, has extended to you an invitation to join him. As we'll see in our continuing series on the parables of Luke, there are many who come up with excuses, lame excuses, to be at the great banquet with God. Luke chapter 13 is where we are at, verses 22 through 30. Pastor Phil Howard, here's today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Turn, if you will, to Luke. We resume our studies of the great parables of the Gospel of Luke. Luke tells parables that are not told in the other Gospels. And so I chose that. And uh, we're going to look at the divine banquet and God's response uh, to man and man's response to God. Look at, uh, let me set it up for you. In Luke uh, 13, uh, Christ said that it was, he was the narrow door to salvation. Verse 24, they asked, are there only going to be a few people saved? And, and then he starts telling them about the narrow door. And uh, many will try to enter. And so the answer seems to come out of all of humanity Only a few will be saved in comparison, but of those saved, there will be billions saved. And he goes on and he said that one of the claims of people will be eventually, verse 26, we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Now, that's very interesting that in the last day, this very generation, when Christ was on the earth, he ate dinner with many people who never put faith in him. Well, we come to chapter 14, a prominent Pharisee has him over for dinner. Uh, This is a, usually when he had dinner with the Pharisees, he was always being set up to trip him and to have a theological debate. And so they have this feast and they're, all eating there, and they're into a debate about the Sabbath. And, uh, and he noticed when people came in, this is a bit humorous, everybody was scrambling for the best seats. So he takes the opportunity to say, by the way, if you're invited to an important kind of event, and it's open seating, don't try to get to the front. Now that's so unlike us, isn't it? You always want to get the best seat. But he said, why would Christ would ever take time to teach us where to sit in the building? 
And that's why some of you love the last pew. You're just preferring the others. And we appreciate that. And, and so, uh, you notice how scarce it is down front here. Uh, we have to pay the staff to set up front. And uh, then, uh, Jesus says for how we should throw a luncheon. When you give a luncheon in verse 12 or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. Now, that's easy for a lot of us because we don't have any rich neighbors. But uh, most of us here are rich by the world's standards. Now, and, and what another, I mean, how do you, come on, that's the only folks you feel obligated to invite. Your friends, your brothers, your relatives, and your rich neighbors. I mean, who else is there to invite? If you do this, they may invite you back. They better. I'm on a little reciprocation here. And I'm going to check out your menu when you have me over. You know, that's what he's taking on here. Kind of, you give to me, I'll give back to you. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The crippled. Oh, no. The lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Ooh, I wasn't thinking about them. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Is that not a profound guest list? Now he goes on. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, that is a great concept. Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, you've got to know that this is a profound concept. He's going back to Isaiah 26, where when Messiah comes, he will clean up Jerusalem, and he's going to have a big feast in which he invites not only restored Israel, but all the Gentiles. Uh, It was one of the things of Israel that the men, the adult men, were to go up to Jerusalem three times a year. And you know what one of its purposes were? They were to have a party with God. They would offer their sacrifices, and the priest would offer those up. And then the priest, with the best meat that was left over after they had offered plenty to God, the priest, along with the offer, they would all eat of this, let's say, filet mignon. Uh, Because, I mean, people are bringing meat. There's meat all over at those festivals. And then they would get together, and it was a man's feast in those days, uh, they would get, they would eat the meat, they get the wine, and guess what they'd do? They would all have a party. They would dance, they would eat the food, and all these Jewish men are literally having a dinner with God. Because this was in the presence of God, was the concept. And three times a year, go up and eat in the presence of God and come to his banqueting table and rejoice over the first fruits. Rejoice over atonement. Rejoice that you're his people. And the idea was you get to have a meal with God. Now, on that same theology, you hear the psalmist says, he will bring me to his banqueting table. So that eating in the ancient Near East, you were brought into intimate fellowship and trust when you had a meal together. You don't sit down and eat with enemies if you can avoid it. 
well, Jesus picked right up on this in the Passover meal. By the way, in the future, I want you to, when you take communion, just think of your having dinner and a feast with God until I inaugurate the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we will literally have a bash, and we will eat food, and we will have dinner with God. I mean, it almost sounds sacrilegious, but it's not. Because God, coming to God, he wanted them to know, is coming to a banqueting table. Coming to God is not drinking poison. Coming to God is to get to party in the presence of God at the jubilation that God is your God and that you have his salvation. And so now Jesus is going to start describing what it's like. He's in their midst offering them to the messianic banquet that God has been making the promise that was going to be Messiah and he would have this great feast with Israel And now the time is ready for the meal, for Messiah's in their midst. And listen to the story he tells, and we'll look at it. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. There's two invitations. Watch this. What they did in the ancient Near East, uh, when they got ready to have a banquet like this, they would send out, let's say we're going to have this banquet in August. They would send out and get a, we've got to get an RSVP. It's very important because this is the way, according to ancient Near Eastern tradition went. If they had two to four guests that said yes, uh, they would have uh, chicken. If you had five to eight people, they'd have duck. If you had 15 to 10 people that said yes, they would kill a kid uh, or sheep. If it was a sheep, uh, they would invite, that's meant you were going to have 15 to 35 people. Now, this is confirmed. And if there was 35 to 75 people, that means they would have to kill a calf. So on the initial invitation, it was very important to get an exact head count. Because to cook meat in that culture and to prepare such a meal was a big task. And so they said, we've got to have an exact head count to determine the menu, to determine how much food. Now, on the day of the banquet, you get another invitation. Come, it's ready. Come, it's ready. You've already said yes. Now, this is the day of the banquet. Come. Now, watch what he runs into. But they all alike begin to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married. So what? The rest of them were probably married. It doesn't mean he just recently got, but I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant 
Now, this is interesting. Notice what he does with his anger. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Get the people in town, in this village. Go get them. They weren't my first choice, but I want them there. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but notice there is still room. Now watch what he does. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in. Uh, King James says, compel them to come in. Now you want to be sure you understand that word because that word was used in the Inquisition to put a sword to people's throats and to force them to become Christians. They would march them to rivers. This happened under Catholicism. They're going to, after Constantine, they were going to Christianize everybody. So they would baptize whole cities in the river. And if you didn't, they would kill you. And they used this, compel them to come in, force them into Christianity. And we'll look at what this word really meant after a while. But that's the abuse of how that word was used. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited, my first choices, will get a taste of my banquet. Let me, first of all, walk you through what's going on here in an ancient Near East setting. Then we'll make some application, okay? Um, First of all, you've got a great man that wants to put on a great banquet. And uh, he... uh, has this guest list of the prominent men in town, his peers, his friends. Uh, And uh, for sure, they would accept. It was a rude thing not to accept an invitation uh, to a banquet. Uh, This is village life. Uh, This is not the social scene of today. I mean, time was available. There weren't many banquets. And a man's worth was at stake by the way you said no to him in the ancient Near East. And what is very tricky about this, they had already said yes. In the initial invitation, they had RSVP, yes, we'll be there. So the food has been prepared and ordered based upon their original yes. Now the day of the banquet, the servant goes out, Come, come, it's ready. Let's partake. We've been planning this for months. You've known this for months. You said yes months ago. And on the very day they were to partake, all at once, all of the elite list people, they all with one voice said no. And we just get a sampling of the kinds of excuses that they came up with for why they couldn't do it. The first excuse was by a real estate expert. Get this. Uh, I just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Now, that is really uh, what an expert. You know what the Western equivalent to that would be? I just bought a new house over the phone, and I must go and have a look at it and see what neighborhood it's in. That's Looney Tunes. This guy's crazy. It is a clear insult. Let me tell you about buying land in the ancient Near East. Uh, No one bought a field in the Middle East without knowing every square foot of the property. 
They knew the boundaries. They would check out the history, who this belonged to, Jew or Arab. They would know family trees. They would know how many trees were on the property. They would know how, much, how many wells. What are the water sources? Is it clear title? The transfer of land, even today in Israel and Palestine, is not easily transferable. Small pieces of ground, ground that was in family trees for just generations, even among Jews. They were not to be selling each other their inheritance land. It was a very touchy, detailed matter. You didn't just buy property like that. I mean, it was investigated. And in a land of growing population with the Romans being there, limited land space, uh, uh, just very, very tight to even have land. Nobody did business this way. It's a clear lie and a clear insult in which the man is saying a fabricated lie about why I don't want to come means more to me than a master's favor. Uh, I don't want the master's banquet because I don't want the master. So it was a absolute slap in the face. And then the second man, he, he's the plowing expert. Uh, I bought some oxen, five of them, by the way, and I just can't make it over. It, it, it's just outlandish. You know the way they bought oxen in the ancient Near East? Uh, one of two ways. They had a market day, and on that market day, if a man was selling oxen, especially five, he would have to do this. He would demonstrate in a field outside the market what the oxen can do. Could they pull together? If it's a team of oxen, are they trained to work together? Uh, and they would work those oxen right there on the edge of the market. Come on, I'm going to see these oxen. What can they do? Give me a model, an example. Or they would sometimes, a man would say to his neighbors, small villages, Come out on Saturday, let's say, and I'll give you a demonstration of a team I'm wanting to get rid of. I mean, uh, just common sense. I want to see the animal. Uh, my grandfather Howard was a cattleman. He hated farming, but he was into cattle. And all the stories about how people would try to cheat you, you know. Uh, go water the cattle before you sell them because they weigh more, full of water, so you get more money. It's not beef, it's just water. All kinds of tricks. You know, the horses, you got to check their teeth. My dad told us boys, always check your girlfriend's teeth before you marry. you got to save money. You know, these kinds, of, you got to learn the tricks. See, and so he learned that from horses. And, um, I don't know what it had to do with dating, but anyway, uh, you get the message. Uh, they went, they saw them, and if you went, uh, the Western equivalent of this would be, I just bought five used cars. I can't make the party because i got to go down and see what they look like and see if the cars will start. I mean, it is insult in the face of the master. Why don't you just say you don't want to come? You've changed your mind. You've reneged. Why fabricate such a preposterous lie? I mean, it is blatant. It's insulting. It makes the master angry. 
Well, then you get the guy that said, well, I, I just got married. Well, there you can start sympathizing a little bit. Uh, that, that can have some complications. Uh, but when he said, I married a bride, it's in the past tense. That could have been, I married a bride since I originally said yes. I could have married the bride two months ago. I could have married the bride. And, and some uh, scholars, they make it the Deuteronomy a passage where you're exempted from war for a year as a Jewish man. When you got married, you would stay home, bring your wife pleasure, and you were exempted from war. It was a great incentive for marriage. And uh, so, uh, don't you get it? That's a good line. Uh, uh, marriage or war? What's the difference? Okay. But uh, so anyway, uh, they would go ahead and they would be exempted from war. And you say, would you rather fight the Amorites or be with the wives? And I'll take a wife. Uh, and, uh, so, but it wasn't that. That was from war. This is a social event in which the wife would come along. And, and these, were, these were big occasions. They didn't have hometown buffet. They didn't have all these big displays of food. This was, this was big time. I married a wife. So what? She's invited. Bring her with you. And uh, so it is a very insulting rejection. So why is he saying this? Well, the first people that Christ invited to the Messianic banquet were the leaders of Israel. Pharisees. The elite. Those who were looking for him. He's at a Pharisee's house. I've come, I've invited the whole nation to come. I'm trying to get you, Messiah, this banquet that God's been announcing, the Messianic feast of which Messiah will show up and will kick off his kingdom with a great inaugural ball that he will feed Israel and uh, he promises his own disciples seats in the kingdom and you'll be treated as royalty. And... uh, The message he got from the elite and the top of the social ladder was, sorry, we don't want your feast. And they made all kinds of, you didn't do enough miracles. Uh, By the way, you were born up there in Galilee of the Gentiles. We're suspicious. They didn't know he'd been born in Bethlehem because they'd fled to Egypt. They thought he was born and raised in Capernaum and Nazareth and Galilee. Oh, no, I was born, just like Micah 5, 2 said, I was born in Bethlehem of Ephrathah. But you didn't know it because Herod was out to kill me and my parents and we fled to Egypt. You don't know where I came from, but I'm doing everything Messiah does. And when he came, the heart-rending break of Christ was that... uh, after he said this, look what he says in Luke thirteen, thirty-four. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It broke his heart that they wouldn't accept the invitation to the banquet. 
It was rejection and insult. Because you see, in the parable here, the master is the father. The servant he sent was Christ. And Christ is announcing, we're ready to eat it. Come on. The Messiah is among you. It's time for the Messianic feast. If you'll accept my invitation. And with their rejection, the feast has been delayed 2,000 years. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855 833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue Suite 278 Hercules, California The zip code is 94547 And that website once again truthfortodayradio.org It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.